I'm Trin Collins, the Programming Director for Lighthouse Works, and welcome to the podcast More Friends. Here we will be reconnecting with the artists and writers who have come to the island over the past 10 years. Lighthouse Works is a nonprofit dedicated to giving amazing people the time and space to focus on their work. Each month on the podcast, I'll interview a former fellow, diving deeply into who they are and the themes they keep returning to in their work. We aim to share with you our friends, these lovely and marvelous thinkers and makers who we've met over the years. After or during the episode, make sure to visit our website, lighthouseworks.us, for more content, including images or links to some of the topics we cover. So let's get started. On this episode, I get the pleasure of talking to Andrea McGinty. She's an artist and writer who was at Lighthouse Works in 2018. Her work is the perfect mix of poetic, haunting, and funny, and we could have chatted for days, but we kept it to a little over an hour. We talked about moving upstate, her awesome new show at Sunny in New York, and of course, Larry the Cat. I am genuinely such a big fan of Andrea, and I know you will be too after this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Oh my goodness. Thank you for doing this. No, of course. Thank you for having me. We will or will not tell people how many times we've done this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm open. It can be a mystery or... I'm so glad that you sent me the new install shots. Oh, yeah. It was perfect timing. I got them just this morning. They look really good. Um, Thank I have you. so many questions about it, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to push that till till later. Cool. I also I have to mention this because I thought it was really funny that when I Googled your name, <laughs> the dating specialist came up. Oh, yes. Yes. The other, I mean, there's, it turns out there's a ton of Andrea McGinty's, but she's the other like main doing well for herself. Andrea McGinty. <laughs> she's the top of the get, Google search. Yeah. She's, she's above me, admittedly. She, um, yeah, I have like a, one of those Google alert things for my name to see if there's press or whatever. And I always get updates on her life. So I think she owns like a natural food restaurant somewhere. She's doing great. She's doing great for herself. She wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> She's constantly doing press tours. It's, yeah, good I for feel her. like I've had friends who've had this problem and then they like add a middle initial or something. Is that something yeah. you've ever considered? I mean, no, I think she's really the only other one. And it seem, it's like incredibly clear, I think, right <laughs> away. when If you Google, you're like, oh, not that one. And I think people get just write like art or artists and then I come up. That's I feel true. like if there was like a more common name, I might have to consider that, but right now I'm, you know, just her and I. <laughs> yeah, if they were an artist or making some kind of art of any like kind. Like Mike Smith, there's like how many iconic derivations of Mike Smith. There's several good ones somehow, weirdly, <laughs> so but, ones. <laughs> uh, but luckily mine's like slightly less common name. You moved upstate because Mm -hmm. of COVID or not because of COVID? No, I mean, we we were planning it before COVID. We bought the house that we're living in in 2018, in the summer of 2018. And we had been planning it for a while and just wanted to, we always wanted to move full time, but we got a house we had to do quite a bit of work on. But yeah, we just wanted to get out of the city and mostly like studio 
spaces kept getting more expensive and smaller as we time went on. So we started considering we'd visited some friends who had lived upstate and then started kind of looking around. But yeah, no, we got the house in 2018 and then we're slowly working on it. And then when COVID hit, we just like packed it all up and came up full time. And you guys lived in a trailer on the we property, right? We lived in an RV. We bought it because <laughs> when COVID hit, like the house was, there was a lot done, but it wasn't done enough that we could live in it. And it was March. So it was still cold in the city, but colder up here. Our work got canceled. And we're like, okay, let's, we have this house we're already working on. Let's get up there so we could just be working on that. When everything shut down, we didn't realize how long <laughs> it would go. But we went to the, like an RV salesman, bought one. He brought it over like I think the next day or the day after. Then we packed up like a van full of our stuff and came up and lived in an RV. Oh my god! On our for property. How long? <laughs> it was a long time. It was months. I mean, it was maybe six months that we were like. I mean, at a certain point, we could kind of most of the day we would be inside the house and working on stuff, but we'd sleep in it with ourselves and our cat Larry which was birds wake up really early and cat in an RV they they can hear everything so he'd like wake up at four in the morning wanting to hunt birds it was it was a challenge you let Larry (laughs) just like wander outside right kind of yeah he I mean he's so happy in the country he um has some boundaries but he is pretty good at he has his little hunting spots he wants to go and we'll just go out he gets to go outside when the weather is nice and We'll go check on him every, you know, 20, 30 minutes, but 20, 30 minutes this often. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know, we have a lot of predators up here. We have like coyotes and hawks and all sorts of stuff. So and there he's usually pretty good at staying in spots. But every once in a while, he likes to do a little sneak, you know, so you have to kind of just check in and be like, hey, I'm aware that you're out here. <laughs> so he knows not you. to do like a big runaway. Yeah, but he's he loves it. I mean, it's like cat paradise. Oh, my gosh. Does he bring you things? He's a big mouse hunter. Oh, that's good. He's like basically like wiped out. We don't have to worry about mice in our house at all. He's like on top of it. So he'll go out and he hunts and he'll kind of bring them back. We figured out like a system because a couple times he, this is gross, but a couple times he'd eat them, which is gross. Oh, so we figured out a system where like if he'll bring it to the house, we'll give him his favorite treat. So now it's like a little trading post kind of system that we've worked out. They're very smart, very smart animals, but he's like, you're probably getting more mice, but somehow it's less gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like at least there's like they're intact. I don't know. Sorry to start off so gross, but (laughs) it's fine. He is a good little hunter. We're very proud of him. He's like, uh, (laughs) he's a little killer. And you have a garden up there. Yeah, it's a little, it's dormant at the moment because it's so cold. But this was the first, I mean, I've done like container gardens before, but I've never had the space to have a real garden. And we did some raised beds and we were like, if we get one thing out of the garden to eat, we'll be happy. And it was just like so productive. We were like overflowing with zucchini and squash and tomatoes, <laughs> like more than we could possibly eat. We like cooked them and froze them. So it was pretty, I mean, it was amazing. It was really exciting and really, honestly, really fulfilling. I That's love gardening. So cool. Yeah, it's been really nice. Did that make its way into the show at all? I think for sure. There's definitely the move and being like in a, we live in a pretty rural area that's definitely in there. I think there's definitely some ideas, which is something I've thought about for a long time with my work, but kind of ideas of food and health and 
this one may be a little more of like sourcing your food and that kind of understanding and disconnect. And then, yeah, there's a few kind of garden references in there. I mean, my work tends to be, it's about a lot of stuff, but there's always some like autobiographical in there. So yeah, it definitely made its way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to rewind the clock. I'm going to ask you some questions about sort of how you came to New York. You went to undergrad in Florida Mm -hmm. and then you studied art history yeah. Do you have like a professor down there that you're just like, this person blew my mind. They're the best. I had a couple, not necessarily. I did. I have my BA in art history, but I also had started taking kind of as part of the art history, you have to do some studio classes. And then I really liked it. So I started taking extra and I was considering getting another degree. But by the time I was done, I was like, nah. I'll like just go to grad school Yes. <laughs> at some point. Let's not do an extra. I was also, I grew up in South Florida and I was like desperate to get out of Florida by the time I was done with school. But I started taking sculpture classes and I had two professors that are really wonderful artists that I'm still in touch with, Diana Spungen and Blaine de St. Croix, who are both in their own right, really fantastic. And they like realized that I was really into it and they started showing me contemporary art and recognizing stuff that I like and suggesting things and they were super helpful in getting my stuff together to apply to grad school it was pretty I was very lucky in that nice did you apply to grad school like right out of undergrad no I moved I was like get me out of Florida and I had some friends that lived in Philly and so I moved to Philly just to get out of there (laughs) and I lived there and I worked and lived in Philly for six or seven years but I Yeah. So no. So I took a big break in between undergrad and grad and then sort of. I'm always a fan of the break. I I needed it. I mean, I didn't really know what I was. I knew that I like loved art and I knew that I wanted to do something with that. And I having time of like being in the world and having other jobs and actually still loving it and still knowing I wanted to follow that and still making art in that time. It's like solidified, like, okay, this is worth taking this step. But is there I this is a horrible question, but I'm just sort of actually very curious. Is there a piece that you remember from that time? I did some funny I mean, not in undergrad, but when I lived in moved to Philly, I was doing these kind of like more performance, like video kind of things, like very solitary but I was doing pieces where I was looking at the Craigslist misconnections. People used to like, you'd see someone at the grocery store and you didn't get to tell them you thought they were hot. And so (laughs) you'd write this little thing about them and hope that they saw it. I don't know. I don't know if people remember that. I do. I remember it. (laughs) I started going online and looking at those. And then I was making videos, reenacting them where I was like the love interest, like trying to just stand around and trying to wear what they were describing and trying to kind of be in a situation that they were in which were very funny and very strange little. They were like me just alone. They were very like, there was like an uncanny thing that I think still kind of connects with my work. It's a very different kind of work, but just like me standing around smiling, trying to look really attractive. (laughs) It's also interesting that you kind of made something from something that already existed, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's clearly like a through line with my work for sure. (laughs) Uh. So... I kind of want to talk a little bit about the title of your show. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In preparation for this, I watched 
that movie you told me to watch. Oh, yeah. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. <laughs> That's the <laughs> I'm one. sorry. I gave you such a long... It's an amazing movie, but it's very long. I it's apologize so, for my like very long homework. <laughs> it's so long. And it's also yeah. like there are a couple moments in it where it's like, what? what yeah. I mean, it's it's a fantastic film, but it's it's a whole thing. It's long, but... The title of the show, Clint Eastwood, comes... I mean, it connects to a lot of different things, but it definitely came from once we got the house kind of finished where we could live in it. We're like, we want to have a TV and we want to watch film, watch movies, catch up. We'd been living, you know, in our apartment and being so busy in the city and then just like straight to full-time construction, basically, for a really long time. And then we're like, we just want to sit and watch movies. And so... Once we got into the house, we got TV and then Ben, my partner, knew that I hadn't seen a lot of Clint Eastwood films. And so we started watching some of the spaghetti Western films and the Sergio Leone ones, which he directed several with him. Fistful of Dollars, The Good, Bad, The Ugly. But yeah, I mean, I just fell madly in love with Clint Eastwood and <laughs> with the film, specifically he's the Sergio Leone very ones. handsome. Oh, he's so beautiful. It's so actually beautiful. almost like it gets to a point where it's too handsome. And it's then so it's too much. Yeah. And then my which eyes I think... are trying to like... <laughs> And I think, yeah, you're like, what is happening? The first one I think we watched was, oh, I can't remember, but he comes on the screen and you're just struck by him. And then over the course of the films, he, yeah, it becomes like the Sergio Leone one specifically I loved because they're, and there's several made in this vein, but it was, you know, supposed to be like an American Western, but they were shot in primarily in Spain and in Italy. And he's an Italian director making like his idea of a Western American Western movie. And so there is this like it's supposed to be a Western, but it's very there's this uncanny feeling like that a lot of the extras and other actors are like non-actor local people in the town. Yeah, the accents are really weird. Yeah, it's very strange. And so I think and there's a lot of things like he's he's subverting the genre a lot where he's taking, you know, like in the westerns like the cowboy is the best guy he's great and he's noble and he's doing what he needs to do and in the Sergio Leone films there's like violence just for the sake of violence yeah everybody's kind of a jerk in that movie yeah exactly and so it's like a you know he was really subverting the genre but then also like there's all these uncanny moments with like weird local actors who don't speak much English. And and then I think having Clint Eastwood in it, that like he's so striking and he's such like this like Western cowboy star and he's so good looking. And that feels, it's like he's so good looking that it feels uncanny. Like everything's yeah. kind of clashing up against each other, which I will say I love. The workhorse of this movie is Eli Wallach. Is that his name? Yeah, Wallach? I think I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. And Clint Eastwood's great in a lot of things. I don't know if the good, the bad, the ugly is not maybe like his best he does what he because needs of his acting do. but like his role i don't know if they gave him as much in right. that role well, yeah. he's just being clint you know being he's being the aloof. cowboy but yeah yeah which he's great at but <laughs> <laughs> but there's such just amazing acting you know it's a crazy long beautiful i mean the soundtrack it just like blew my mind you know <laughs> yeah, yeah i hadn't seen it it blew my mind and i got you know really into that and then it i had already been thinking a lot about Ideas of like America, capital A quotes and idea, you know, think good Americans, bad Americans, what's right, what's is thoughts of that are in 
what I was thinking about in that show and then that just like hit it into overdrive when I when we watched the Sergio Leone Clint Eastwood films. So when I was watching the movie, it reminded me. So there's this one scene where like Eli's character, I don't remember his name. He is like torturing Clint Eastwood and he's yeah. like, pulling him behind a horse and like denying him water. And it's like totally terrible at one point, And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> how do they make this happen? Do you remember like Clint Eastwood lips were like horrible? Yeah. Ooh, where it's like crack, like cracking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a beauty. It's like an intense, it's an intense movie and it's like beautifully shot. I mean, it's beautiful <laughs> and it's intense in that way where like the make, I don't know how you do that with makeup, but it's I know, like yeah. striking. It feels, you feel him being dehydrated. You feel the torture <laughs> yes. when you're watching it. Like it really. So then he pours the water that he has inside his boot. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my. And then he offers it to him or doesn't or, or he offers it to yeah. him and pours it out. I don't know. There's something cruel that happens, but it reminded me so much of your Hawaiian punch sculpture. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, where I was yeah, like, oh my I God. Love that. That's funny. I love that you watched it in connections. So you could like had already seen the work, but then watching the film to see like what was in my brain. Yeah. That's a fun piece. I got that box, a box, like a Hawaiian punch. Like you'd get probably like a bulk amount of Hawaiian punch. I don't know what comes, but it's like a Hawaiian punch cardboard box and it has eBay tape all over it. And then it has, and you just um, found this it. box. This well, I ordered something off eBay. It has this eBay tape. I ordered some, I can't remember what it was, something off someone, a seller on eBay. And that was the box that it came in with the eBay tape and the Hawaiian punch. And I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this came to me. I have to keep it. So I had it in my studio for a while knowing I wanted to make a sculpture with it. But yeah, then at some point I was just rinsing. Like it has, it's layered resin and it has artificial lettuce leaves in it. And I was in the kitchen, like soaking lettuce, you know, cleaning it for a salad. From and the I was garden. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think so. I think it was pre, <laughs> pre-garden times. You're but supposed to lie. You're supposed to I'm, like, yes. I'm exactly from my beautiful garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just saw it and was like, oh, this is beautiful and so ordinary and something I all the time you know and it just struck me and then I you know made the connection in my studio of like oh what if I could get this box where it looks like I'm soaking lettuce it's you know, kind of cool then. this like idea of trying to freeze a moment that like feels really perfect or notable you know like one yeah. of those you know I have them every once in a while where I think like oh my god that would make such a good painting yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I think I have that a lot in my work and just in the way I take photos and the way I think about things is that. And a lot of them are very simple things like that. Like, oh, I'm soaking lettuce for a salad, you but know, not it's a not like a striking thing to put together. Yeah, like I was just like, oh, this is beautiful. And it's so I like things that are so, so everyday that they're like, they're not remarkable. You know, there's something that's such like a part of the fabric of the way that you exist like I use lettuce quite frequently <laughs> you know like I make salads it's something that I do all the time and so but seeing it and like I don't who knows what moment that it struck me of just being like really beautiful and I like to try and it's a fun exercise to then try to recreate that in some way like I think I try to do that in different ways I think in my work of like capturing moments your artist statement 
articulates it actually really well. It's very oh, hard you. to write these things. So it's so I'm, hard. It's like the worst thing to have to do. I, I hate writing about my work. Um, I'm always like, can someone else do this for me? And I'll do yeah, it for please. you because it's so much easier to yeah, write about other just, people's work. It's so much easier. The, luckily, this show that's opening at Sunny, a beautiful also artist, Renee Delage, who works for them and she wrote the statement and it's like the press release for it which is really beautifully written and oh, awesome such a delight to have someone else write about your work you know where you're like yes. oh, <laughs> you think about that when you saw this great you know it's really wonderful so that was a great experience but yeah writing about your own work is it's very difficult so here's what it says. It says the works are made in an isolated state as if she or the character making them is trapped alone at home, rearranging their belongings in an attempt to find meaning. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's it's funny. It took me. Thank you. Thank you. It took me a really long time, actually. When I'd have people over for studio visits, I would describe my work that way. But it took me a really long time to like connect that into when I was trying to formally describe it. And at some point I was like, I say that like almost every visit, you know, but I mean, there's a lot of different concepts in it. But I was like, why am I leaving that out? It's like a really integral. Yeah, that is the feeling like most things that I make and the way that I make is like you're trying to just figure it out. Yes. <laughs> like you've got all your stuff around you and you're like, you need to make sense and you're trying to kind of rearrange it and smash it together to like make things better, make things make sense. So the Hawaiian punch piece, do you get people who say all the time, oh, this must have taken you like five minutes? I feel like people probably think it. They don't necessarily <laughs> say it directly I feel to like me. I, but. I, it looks so effortless, but I also know the huge amount of effort and editing and like thought that goes into making something that looks effortless. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I think a lot of the times the people who would be saying it directly are normally more people that coming to my studio that maybe are familiar with my work and know my way of working. So luckily, a lot of the times people see that, you know, that it is very simple. But then I hope to impart like a feeling. I hope that time is in there, that feeling that you're like struggling with stuff and rearranging and there's like a love for everything. And I think it asks you to wait. I think your work is sort of like, just give it a minute. You know, you're going to figure something out if you just give it a minute. Yeah, I feel like I like to use stuff that's immediately recognizable, very minimally altered, you know, when I'm using found objects and stuff. But I like it because I think there's like an immediate way in. You see stuff, you're like, okay, I guess that's a cabbage, a cat litter thing. Like there's yes. some kind of pole. Like you can kind of be like, check, check, check. I got it. But then if like a second after you're like, wait, why are these like that though? <laughs> why are these together? Yeah. Like, why is there a, a cabbage on top of a flagpole, like in a bleach container or whatever, you know? And I think that there's like a connect of like, oh, I can see what all this is, connects you to it. And then you're like, maybe it unfolds a little bit more as you spend time with it is my hope. So <laughs> yeah, and I think it does. And I also think that this kind of work, I think it can come off as not genuine. I think your work is like, because it's so genuine, I think it like just like, becomes amazing, right? Like it's oh, like you, you feel like you're actually just genuinely trying to explore and play with how to build meaning. 
Thank you. Yeah, I'm hyper aware. Like there's a lot of art you can see that is with found objects and some is really like emotional and meaningful and beautiful and some feels like a store display, you know? And I think that I, because I do relatively simple constructions and like recognizable stuff, I'm like super conscious of it, not wanting it to look like it was just like a couple of things put together because they look good. Like I spent a lot of time with them conceptually and I do really spend <laughs> like a lot of time with the objects. I spend a lot of time working on them and there's a lot of different, some of them will be like, I have an idea of what I want it to look like. And then I try and they create feel that, like the Hawaiian punch. Yeah, thank you. you I know? mean, I do, I, I spend a lot of time and I do think about the objects aesthetically as putting together, but also conceptually of like what they mean and what they represent and what they mean to me. I mean, everything I use is kind of filtered. There's like other things it connects to in a larger sense, but it's really filtered through me. It's stuff that I love. It's stuff that's maybe in my life or stuff that I'm thinking about or stuff that connects to other experiences. And so they are really personal. I try to be conscious of that and try to make them not look like a quick punchline or like a one-liner kind of joke. Like I want them to feel. But I think you tempt with it. Like I feel like you kind of knowingly say like, so one of my my all-time favorite pieces and I feel like you've done it renditions of it throughout the years is the cooler candle oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, thank you (laughs) and it's one of those things where it's just keeps kind of unfolding like it, it does have this like immediate fun like punch to it but then I feel like it does continue to give and so I just I was happy to see one in the new show thank you we actually found that cooler the other ones I usually will buy kind of used like on eBay I'll find people's old coolers but that one we found kind of out in the yard at our house which I was like "Ah, it's meant to be so that was really exciting and it's perfectly it's just been sitting outside for who knows how long so it's like perfectly aged but yeah it's like perfectly dirty but yeah, I mean, the, that piece, the first one I did, I think, was in 2015 was the first one that I made. And yeah, I was just going for it. It's like a really familiar object to me and in my life. And then again, with the I use like a gel candle wax that's clear. And so I wanted it to look like a cooler filled with after the party, after, after the tailgate or whatever, like the next day, all the ice is melted. There's kind of dirty water in there is like what I want it to look like. But then it's also a candle. And when it's lit, I mean, I, I don't know if it I hope it comes across in photos, but in person, there is like the water kind of or like the candle wax that looks like water glows. And it really becomes this like and it's beautiful almost. Yeah, it starts melting. It like really becomes like not I'm not trying to be dramatic, but like it feels like kind of like a spiritual used to being around candles and like special occasions or religious ceremonies and stuff. And there is something about it. The physical presence of a candle burning really does something, <laughs> you know, and so also I also like a candle a, burning like fairly unsupervised in a gallery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just kind of sitting alone, just like quietly burning. But yeah, I love that. I mean, the first one I did, I just kind of had that loose idea and then I loved it. And then I kind of over time, just every once in a while, you know, check on eBay and I'd start kind of collecting nice old used looking coolers. And so I've made a few over the years as I get them and as they fit into kind of what I'm thinking about at the time. But yeah, I love those pieces. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You. So here's my next question. What is the deal with the floor color? 
The floor color. So I, when we were working on planning the show, they let me know they have, it's, they usually have the floors painted mostly white. The first show they did in the gallery, they had like a really bright yellow color, which is what made me think of painting the floor. And they usually keep it white, but they're like, if you want to, you can paint it. And so I had a lot of the works, not everything done, but in my studio and it, I just wanted it. I didn't want to create like an installation work where it was like I'm altering the architecture of the space or building a lot of pedestals like I had it's really like a lot of separate sculptures kind of sitting on the floor it's a lot of work and so I like this feeling of it being this room full of stuff or almost room full of people you know like it or like you're in a forest kind of in, in between where and even being in the space with it installing it's like we've been isolated so long. I'm like not used to being in a full room or really started getting that feeling like being around them where you're like, uh. <laughs> like there's a lot of people in here, you know, that kind of, which is, but yeah, the floor color, I wanted it to kind of feel maybe a little like cohesive, like an installation. I was like, oh, well, if I can paint the floor, that's great. Might as well like add that. That's like another layer, another element to it. And then it's like the this, color, like shrimp color. It's it's funny. It's um, Hadley from Sunny described it as like a cartoon terracotta, which I thought was really perfect and very funny. It's like, yeah, I mean, I wanted my thought with that color was with the theme of the Clint Eastwood. I was thinking of like the desert, the Western. So this sort of like rusty, dusty soil. And then it was kind of like that, like the volume turned up (laughs) on it because there's some ridiculous it's like a very it's a very colorful show there's I mean there's a lot of like bright greens and in a lot of the pieces and and I also wanted it's like the show's opening now in February it's like the middle of winter and it's kind of not a full basement but one of those in the east village it's like a few steps down Mm -hmm. and it's very long space and so I wanted people to walk in and you're like going down from the cold and then all of a sudden it's like this really bright warm room like to just really feel like you're in like a totally different place like and it's populated with so much stuff I I a lot of I want to talk about that because I think it's super exciting I feel like we all know the sort of inherent rules of installing where it's like don't crowd it and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I feel like you're really pushing that. I wanted to. Yeah. And it was definitely. It is like yeah. it's uncomfortable. Like it's like I'd imagine being in the space and that like you're kind of like, well, there's something right behind me. And like, oh, my God. And like it feels OK. So the pieces feel like little homespun traps. Like they feel yeah. kind of like um, <laughs> like the kind of thing you build to like capture your hamster at home. Yeah, like it has that... an intention but it, it's yeah. like built out of like some weird un like if someone came across that like I had to do that at one point because all my hamsters would get lost uh, yeah in the house and, and like okay what like, do I have like what can I MacGyver to- exactly <laughs> it is a MacGyver situation yeah. and so it's like yeah I'd imagine walking through the space would feel like oh like don't step on that hat and like yeah watch out for that like figure or like the costume of the <laughs> yeah it's amazing that you say traps because specifically like years ago I had bought a book that was a trapper's guide I used it as reference or had it around and then I so when I started making the sculptures that are like in the tubs with the flagpoles coming out I was thinking of that trapping book and being like okay I'm making my version 
of traps, like traps for myself. That's and I had so a few funny. with like, yeah, it's amazing that you said that. <laughs> it's like directly related to that. But it, yeah, I started doing some that would have like things dangling with yeah, like the clothesline. Dangling. Yeah. So I was imagining like, you know, like a carrot in front of a horse. Are they morning pigeons? Those are, are the, there's like dove. They're, I'm not sure exactly. They're dove decoys. I'm not okay. sure. I didn't specify what kind. I don't know that much about doves. But yeah, it's like, so in my mind, when I started making that series or that style of work that I've been making for a little bit now, it's, yeah, I was thinking of this idea of like my version of traps. So it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's the <laughs> box with that. the stick. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, there's a stick and there's some like interesting stuff, but it's like, how do I catch me? How do I trap myself? It's like a cabbage, you know, yes. <laughs> like a bottle of vodka, some cigarette butts. You know, it's like, yeah, like my version, trapping an Andrea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like I definitely wanted to like having so much work in the show. I was making a lot in my studio and it's a pretty long space. And so I was like, oh, I'll make a bunch. But as I started really filling my studio, I was like normally, which I love and it's a great, you know, there's beautiful, super minimal sculpture installations. Like it can be done really well. And many people do it really well. And I love that style. But I was, when I started making the show, I was like, oh, I kind of want to go step away from that. I want to have it. Like, Especially if there's it so up. much wanna... <laughs> deprivation, right? Like yeah. two years of just like kind of like um, pent up. Yeah, isolation. I mean, it's a big, I was definitely like my own personal and in the larger world, isolation was something I was thinking about a lot during this. And we, you know, we moved upstate. We have, we have friends around here, but even when we first moved, we were like before vaccines and stuff, we really were just like kind of Ben and I at home and then going to the grocery store and the hardware store (laughs) and not really spending that much time with people occasionally, like once the weather was nice having people over to like grill outside and stuff. But most of the time is like pretty solitary. And so, yeah, it was, you know, that was just like naturally in the work. And I think once I started populating my studio with objects and a lot of them are very human scale, it kind of started feeling like I was like filling a room with these little human scale things. And I liked the feeling of kind of like maneuvering through them in my studio, like you're walking through a crowded room. And so, but it's like kind of both a crowded room, but also like walking through the forest, like kind of in between. I wanted that feeling and it definitely when we were installing, I was like, well, you know, (laughs) there's so much, it's all close. And yeah, it really felt like being in a really crowded room again, which I hadn't experienced in so long. And it was like an excitement and nervousness, which is definitely what I was going for with it. I was like, let's lean into that and let me, you know, just fill it up. Tell me about the horse costume, because it has a very distinct presence to me. I think we've talked about this before, where I'm like, this looks like a costume that I wore when I was like five. Like it has that quality <laughs> to it, like back yeah. before people were like really going yeah, over the top with costumes. Yeah, it's not like a branded horse of whatever that would be. Yeah, I got it off eBay. I was just I don't know why. It was one of those things where I was just thinking about the concept. And I think in some ways, like thinking about with isolation and being alone, I was thinking of the idea of like the two person costume. Yes. And that like in a world where you're supposed to social distance kind of thing. (laughs) And I was just thinking about that concept and then was just looking around on eBay 
and found, I'm assuming it used was like a costume store that was selling off some of their old inventory. Cause it was like, definitely when I came in, it came with like tags that would have been used to like, you know, like library tags but for costumes, like a rental probably mm. thing. Yeah. So it's like older, it's definitely used. It's like got a really weird face. That's like funny and a little creepy. It's, and it feels like its tail, like the fur on it is kind of matted. And yes. um, it feels used. It feels like worn and lived in. And it has like a real, it's it's on a mannequin. So it has like a very physical human presence. Yeah. That, like really, yeah. I got used to it after a while. But when I first set it up, there were several times where I like walked into my studio and scared myself. Because oh my <laughs> it really felt like a person standing there like ah. but yeah it's just got it has that which I love I mean I really like I use a mix of stuff I like some things that are totally brand new but I love stuff that has that feeling already in it like that has the cooler that I found in our yard like that once yeah. I got it I was like <gasps> and I remember it was like at a part of COVID times where we were like super isolated for quite a while. And I so excitedly ran into Chauvin. I was like, look what I just thought. And he was kind of like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> is this where I start worrying? Like, is this like red flag times? Because I was like, look at this amazing thing. And when it came in, it was like just really just as beautiful and amazing as, <laughs> oh, good. as it looked in the photos. It just looks crazy. But yeah, it has this real presence. And I love that. I mean, all of my work, I really like that, like in between of like, it's kind of funny. You're like, haha, but then it's not quite. It's like a little uncanny. It's maybe a little sad, maybe a little like hopeful, you know, maybe a little scared or depressed, like that kind of in between that like fuzzy zone. I really like. And so that like really hit the spot that (laughs) horse costume. (laughs) Okay. So you have a lot of 2D work in in the space do, as yeah. well and I really love the moth piece thank you thank you tell me about how you made it yeah I've been making versions of those for a while it's basically all the photos that I took like original photos mostly they're like a lot of that they're just like kind of cell phone iPhone snapshots some that I'll take purposely for art but some of them are just as I'm taking, you know, the way that you take photos where you take like five in a row and then later on you'll see if you got like a good one for Instagram. And so some of them I'll use repetition. But yeah, I and have them printed on like a vinyl fabric. So it's got like a little bit more a plasticky kind of feel. It's like a little bit more durable. And I sew them onto canvas. And that one is got like two layers of it. And then part of it's cut out like where the moth is. So it's like when you're looking at it from afar, it just looks like the image but then when you come up close you can kind of see there's like a cutout and it's like slightly not lined up correctly so you can kind of see once you get closer like little marks you know the spaces in between it's a hand with a dead moth on it and so you'll see like the spaces between the fingers don't quite line up I really like that piece and I think it's doing the same thing we were talking about where it's like beautiful it's like kind of sad it looks totally maybe normal and then it kind of unfolds and you kind of wonder like well why and I just love that you take everything and it has to go through the Andrea meat grinder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's got to get... Thank you. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. figured out somehow. Yeah, it's like something... I mean, and I do think that's like a big part of my work is that it is like I like really ordinary things and I like stuff to be like very minimally altered and just kind of combined. They spend a lot of time with me and they get kind of digested and then Or you're weaving some of them. Are. Yeah, a couple of them are woven. 
when you first walk in the gallery, there's like a relatively large piece. It's like a photo close up of a hay bale. We have a dairy farm that's right down the street from us and they like come and hay part of our grass to feed the cows. So every once in a while, all of a sudden they'll come out. It's a very beautiful process. They're incredibly nice people and they'll hay and then the hay bales will sit there for a little bit and then they'll come and pick them up. So I ran out and took photos of kind of the center. So I had them printed and then cut them up into strips, uh, two layers, and then wove them. And so you can see like from afar, you can see it looks almost like a nest or, you know, you see a lot of like sticks. But then once you get closer, it's like you can kind of see where they don't quite line up, you know, like all the... Or that there's like the something texture. too mechanical for it to be a nest, you know? like Yeah, where like something's hay. not right. Yeah, where it's like it's kind of too perfect of a spiral. And then the photo itself is like because of the cutting and the weaving, it's like you can see like a stem of wheat, but it doesn't quite line up. And then, yeah, you can see the texture of it. Where in my mind, it was almost like pixelized manually <laughs> or <Yes>. something, you know? <laughs> you must have really liked to keep yourself very busy. I had the idea for it and I got the print and it was big and beautiful. And I was like, had the idea of weaving it. And I liked the idea of it would be like not quite matched up. And then I really understood how time-consuming <laughs> and difficult weaving it would be. It was the weaving. It took quite a long time because it's a relatively large. It's like four by six yeah. feet, not exactly, but close to. And so it's relatively large. So it took quite a long time. And then the weaving, it's like, which is nice. It gave it like a really beautiful physical feel because there's like once it was weaving, it started getting bunched up in areas and had to stretch it out and move. And so some things are like a little bit more folded and bunched up and it's very textural once you get up close to it but it was a huge pain (laughs) to do but the result was worth it but how did you frame it it's not framed it's sewn so I when I do the vinyl pieces I will weave them or cut them or whatever I sew them onto canvas and then it's stretched onto stretchers so there's like a little bit of a lip and that's just like raw canvas but you have framed work in there like the moth is framed right no, no, no. That's no? the same. It's yeah, it's stretched on canvas. I'm so like, there is like a slight, okay. um, the very slight border is so it's like sitting on top. I'm always asking people like, where are you getting this shit framed? No. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a, you know, a good framer is like a good, you know, like, good hookup. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, give me the name. Yeah. No, it's not framed. I mean, it does function similarly to a frame. It's almost like a canvas frame kind of because it's a raw canvas but yeah it's like the the vinyl is sewn and sits like on top of the canvas all right maybe my last question about the show did something not make the cut is there like a piece out there that's just like the the frankenstein that's just in the basement that didn't fit there is one that didn't make the cut but it's not i mean there's some that i just like was working on and then they weren't working and i took them apart and those pieces will probably go into something else but there is a piece that's not sad frankenstein but that was supposed to be in the show that i decided just didn't fit but now very luckily is in a group show that's open right now at my friend petra bebo's gallery in tribeca and she had reached out about doing this group show and she I really loved the piece and I just didn't feel like a fit. It's like kind of like a, it's like a denim. It's like the, the pieces with, it's got like a bleach bottle with a pole and then it has this denim jacket kind of like hung over it. And it has like a Ziploc bag with a bunch of papers, like images kind of collage layered in it. And um, I loved it. And I just didn't feel like the jacket because there's like too many like 
humans. I didn't really want clothes with it, with a costume, the horse costume. Right. It like points like to a kinda, different person. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I really want it to be like, this could just be like a person alone with all these things. Or like, I wanted that to be, uh, you know, ambiguous. And so, but luckily Patrick, Patrick had come for a studio visit a little bit earlier. And so she had seen the work that was going on the show. And then she was asking, I think she was asking about maybe one of the cooler pieces and she described to me the show. And I was like, I know you want a cooler, but I have this one. <laughs> Hear me out. And she was like, oh my God, actually, when I came to your studio, I saw that piece and I like kept thinking about it. Oh, good. But I thought it was going in your show. So I didn't think to ask. And so it was like this beautiful kismet. So now that's like currently up. It's going to be up until March 12th, I think, but okay. at Petra's, Petra's space. So not sadly hidden in the basement, but it did get, it didn't make the cut. <laughs> I forgot. I also wanted to talk about this wackadoo pear. I have in my notes oh, yeah. here. I don't know if you say it says, <laughs> we got to talk about the pear. Oh, I love the pear drawing you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was a little bit. I mean, I've been wanting to, I like every once in a while to add new materials and ways of working into the mix and kind of switch it up. And I've done that in the past. I've done some earlier shows, I've had little paintings alongside other sculptures, and I like to mix that in. And this one, I had the idea I wanted to do kind of like a larger paper mache sculpture for Is that a while. what that is? It is, yeah. It's got like a metal, it's basically like metal fencing that's like, is the structure underneath, and oh. then it's got paper mache, and then it's painted. And so I'd wanted to do one for a while, but I didn't really have an idea, and I'm like, I don't want to just make one to make one. And then I had the idea to make this giant pear, which then, yeah, I just like started it making structure. It looks like structure. it's full of rocks. <laughs> it is. I really wanted it. It's like you can see in the way that I like to show the seams. I like to show. I wanted it to be like when you could see it, it wasn't like trying to look like a really realistic giant pear that you could see. So it's like you can it's see. It's not trying like to a, fool you. Yeah, exactly. You can tell that it's this like kind of like almost messily handmade thing, but you could see it's basically like the fencing that we used around our garden that I had extra of that I made the structure so you can kind of see this like metal grid like Yeah, it's like structure and then in this really If you look way. really close, you can also see like the strips of paper like I did um the paper mache with like newspaper kind of so you can see these like little squares shapes of the paper around oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you don't want to know what I thought. I thought it was like some kind of stretchy fabric over a bunch of like rocks. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's definitely very lumpy. It's very textural and it feels like I could see that because it feels almost like sunken, you yeah. know, like it's, things are kind of jutting out. Like I wanted it to feel look like I was trying to make a pair, but didn't quite, you know, like not quite realistic, not quite right, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> which I love. But yeah, I'd been wanting to make it for a while and I started making the frame of it. And then it's big. friends, it's pretty, it's like maybe not quite my height, but it's like a little, maybe a little bit shorter than me, but it's very like human scale. Yeah. And I just started making the frame. I was like, well, might as well mess around with it and see. And then when people, friends coming over for dinner and stuff, like were really, people are really responding to it. And when Hadley came for a studio visit for the show, she was like, wait, is this going to be in it? And so I was like, well, I might as well just push through and try and finish it. And then I'll decide after it's done if it fits. And I just like fell madly in love with it. Oh, good. <laughs> it worked out really great. And I was, I'm, and, and it does, it has like a nice, 
I don't know. It adds like a nice another little twist, I feel like, because there's a lot of repetition in the show. There's like some school, a lot of the sculptures that are made in like cat litter and bleach bases. And then there's like every once in a while something else, you know, there's like a garden gnome and a tote bag and it really fits in that where you're like okay I get it I get it wait what's this kind of yeah and then that's like a really big wait what's this like this why is this giant pear and it, on the back has a little oil painting that I made of a pickup truck it's amazing I love it a lot of personal yeah <laughs> thank you yeah I'm really happy with how they came out I definitely want to do more I'm already like I have musings in my brain for making like a big ear of corn sculpture that might get started soon (laughs) great well thank you so so much no thank you for having me this is so fun it's always always love talking to you thank you for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend and keep in touch via our instagram at to the lighthouse works for any podcast or residency related news And don't forget to check out all the additional content that accompanies each episode on our website, lighthouseworks.us. I also want to say thank you to all the artists and writers who have come through our program. We are routinely in awe of what you do. I also owe a great big fat thank you to my co-directors, Nate Malinowski and Claudia DeSimone. It's only three of us on this ship, and I want to say thank you for keeping us afloat. That's all for me for now. See you next time on More Friends.